Uh, Let's take our Bibles this morning. Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 25. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 25. If you are uh, a guest with us today, we want to welcome you to River City and hope that you have found a friendly greeting. And uh, we're so thankful that you've just chosen to uh, worship with us today. We know there's many, many places out there that you could be and uh, glad that today you chose to be with us. I also wanted you to know that we're in, we're in the middle of a series right now on the life of Jesus Christ. We are at toward the end of that series. We're, we're studying the life of Jesus in a chronological way. We are looking at his life from kind of start to finish. And we're, we're in the last week of his life. And in the last week of the life of Jesus, just before the upper room and just before the crucifixion and just before the resurrection and all that, Jesus gives one final discourse or sermon. We call it the Olivet Discourse. Uh, It's because it takes place on the Mount of Olives. And it is a heavily prophetic uh, passage of Scripture. Now, last week I shared with the church what the word prophecy means, okay? Prophecy simply means history written before it happens, okay? Now, here's the good news. The good news is... We don't know everything that's going to happen, but God does. And, and thankfully, he doesn't just know what happens or will happen. He orchestrated what will happen. And then, in, in some measure, he let us get glimpses into it. And it's called prophecy. You see it in the Bible. Things that are written about things that are going to happen. And so we looked last week at Matthew chapter number 24. And this week... Uh, We're going to continue on in the sermon. And so let me just kind of remind you of what happens. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, what will be the the sign of your coming? Remember I taught you last week that the word sign was singular. What will be the singular sign of the Lord's coming? And the answer is the great tribulation. That that there will come a seven-year period of time. It's described in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, a a, a seven-year year period of time where God will pour out judgment predominantly upon his people Israel. <clears throat> and at the end of that seven year tribulation period of time, Christ will return in what we know in the Bible is the second coming. Okay, so that's what Matthew chapter 24 is all about. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, the sermon is going to continue. And as the sermon continues, basically, Jesus is going to provide three parables to help us be ready for his coming. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the first of those three parables today. And i got to tell you, as I read this parable, it's in verses 1 through 13. I want to just stop and say my prayer for our church today is that we will feel the weight of what this means. We live in a very frivolous world. Frivolous. There's just not a lot of density to how we think and how we act. Things that matter to us make angels in heaven yawn. And things that excite angels in heaven make us yawn. And we live in a world where we are incredibly distracted. We are focused on things that oftentimes I think don't really matter in the big scheme of eternity. And a text like this weighs in. And it's, and it's dense. It has gravity to it. And, and I pray that, that we will let the gravity of the passage really 
really hit us in the heart this morning. So with that thought in mind, will you uh, look with me here at Matthew 25, verse number 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Just let that little phrase sink in. The bridegroom here is obviously a picture of the Lord Jesus. And, and there will be a time, it says, as he delays his coming. And what will happen? While he delays his coming, his bridal party, us, will go to sleep. Does that not sound like the church of Jesus Christ in America today? Asleep. Completely oblivious to what is going on around them. Completely oblivious to all that is real and true and right. And verse 6, at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy... The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, when the clock strikes midnight. When the clock strikes midnight. I drove home from South Carolina yesterday, and I, I, I for the first time in uh, probably a couple of years, I decided to turn on uh, a podcast that was news-oriented. And I don't know why. I think I was thinking, I've got to drive here, and, and I, I'm tired I need to get something to engage my mind, and I wish I would have engaged my mind in something else. And maybe you're a, you know, news junkie, Ben Shapiro, or whatever you like to listen to. That's actually what I chose. I don't know why, I just felt like it. And oh boy, for 45 minutes, I heard all kinds of really bad news. It's everywhere. Politically speaking, there's, there's turmoil, and everybody is so focused on what's coming up on Tuesday. And of course, as we heard last election, oh, and the election before, and, and the election before, this was the most important election of our lifetime. And I have no doubt that it is. And I'm sure that there will be churches today that will be filled with political rhetoric, and this is what we need to talk about, and this is what we need to urge our people to do, to get out and vote, or to get out and push for a certain direction in our country. And I say, you know what, when we come to church, I want to hear news, but I want to hear news from a different kind of network. And I got news for you today. 
true news, good news, that on the front page headlines of news from heaven this morning is this, Jesus is coming back. And we should live like he is. And we should be ready for him to return. And in this text, we see a clear parable. John MacArthur said these words. He says, the theme of this parable is very simple. It is not complex. The parable is meant to teach us that Jesus is coming. His coming is to judge sinners and reward the righteous. His coming will be sudden and unexpected and everybody should be prepared and... Afterward, there will be no second chance. The picture that we get here in Matthew 25 is a little unusual. It appears that a, a wedding celebration has taken place in the middle of the night, and it's just not really culturally connected to where you and I live. But if you are to study a little bit about Jewish culture and the wedding, basically an engagement would take place, which was not called an engagement. It was actually called a betrothal which was legally as binding as a wedding. And this would take place, the, uh, the, the, the bridegroom would secure a dowry with the bride's father, and he would secure the, the, the woman as his bride, and then he would go away, and as he went away, he would literally prepare a homestead for he and his wife to live in. And as soon as that homestead was ready and prepared, the bridegroom would return, virtually unannounced, to secure and finalize the wedding as soon as the property was secure. And obviously, for those of you that are Bible students, uh, you should be hearing other uh, scriptures going off in your mind, like John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, secured our salvation on the cross. And when he rose from the dead and returned to his father, he literally went to prepare a place for us that he is preparing right now. A certain place, a sure place, a guaranteed place, a place called heaven. And one day when that place is ready, and one day when it is time for him to return, he will finish that preparation. He will come to bring us to himself to live in spiritually wedded bliss for all of eternity. That's what the parable is to picture for us. Now basically the message of this text is super, super clear. In this text, this, this consummation of this wedding celebration takes place at midnight. And midnight became the moment where some of the bride was secure and some was simply not ready. And folks, the midnight hour in the Bible is just that. When you study midnight in the Bible, there is a sense of deliverance and there is a sense of destruction. I mean, for instance, when did the uh, Passover celebration take place? Uh, well, the Passover moment actually took place in Exodus chapter 11 and verse number 4, where the Bible says, Moses said, thus saith the Lord, listen, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, Exodus 12 and 29. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his th throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Think about it. At midnight, God sent judgment and deliverance at the same time. 
those who had the blood of the lamb applied to the door of their, their home were rescued at midnight. Those who did not have the blood applied to their door were destroyed at midnight. Now folks, the application here should be very simple. There is a midnight coming called the second coming of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, midnight, it will be a deliverance for those who have accepted Christ as Savior. And it will be destruction for those who have not. And a very simple question that I want to put out before you today is, are you ready for the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to return again? So using this parable, I want to give you three thoughts this morning. First of all, I want you to see an unprepared condition. An unprepared condition. The Bible plainly introduces us to this in verses 1 and 2. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now... Five of them were wise and five were foolish. It's obvious that half of this bridegroom party, this bridal party, was ready and half of them were not. And the whole point of these these opening verses is to describe the way in which some of these people were not ready. The simple question that you should consider here in this passage is this. Are you a part of the wise virgins or are you a part of the foolish virgins? And what was the real issue going on? The real issue is one of the groups of virgins had oil in their lamps and they were ready. The other group had no oil in their lamps and they were not. And there's several things I want you to see about these virgins in this text that everybody should pay attention to. Number one, the foolish virgins looked just like the wise virgins. I mean, if you would have walked up to this group of people, this 10 people, they would have no doubt looked a lot alike. They would have had similar in age, similar in appearance, uh, maybe even similar in clothing, being ready for this to come again. It's like walking into a church on any given Sunday morning. I walk into this church, I look at you, I look at your family, I look at your wives and your husbands, your children, and, and all of us relatively look similarly. In other words, I can't step in here on a Sunday morning and know Who's really a Christian and who really isn't? Because guess what? They all kind of look the same. I mean, after the service today, we're going to baptize Troy. I'm so excited for Troy over here on my left. Troy's been a member of our church for a couple of years. And Troy has struggled and, 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 and agonized over his own personal salvation for a long time. And, and finally, after lots of talk and prayer and search of the scripture... He came to a place at the end of September where he personally accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He came up to me the other day and said, Pastor, I just wanted you to know, he rattled off a date and rattled off a time and said, I got saved that day and I'm ready to get baptized. And I said, praise God. Praise God for that. But folks, I want to tell you right now, I would have not looked at Troy and thought to myself, Troy doesn't know the Lord as his Savior. He would have looked and served and been a member of this church like many of you. He had roles of ministry, service in this church. I would have never guessed in a million years that this guy over here did not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Which tells me to warn you today that it is possible to be in a church, to look like a Christian, to serve like a Christian, to talk like a Christian, to act like a Christian, and yet not be a Christian at all. The very fact of the matter is, this, this, uh, these women looked like the bridal party, but simply they weren't. You want to know why? Because they had not the missing ingredient in their lives. 
You see, the five wise virgins had oil in their lamps, so they were ready to go. The, 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 the five foolish virgins did not have oil in their lamps, so obviously they weren't ready to go. So let me ask you a simple question today. What is the oil in this passage? What is it that makes somebody ready to go, and what is it that makes somebody not ready to go? Folks, this question right here is the most important question you will ever answer in your lifetime. What makes a person ready to see Jesus, and what makes a person not ready to see Jesus? Answer, Jesus. What makes a person know they're going to heaven? Jesus. How can you know a person is not going to heaven? They don't have Jesus. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Listen, let's just make it as simple and plain as I can make it this morning. Five virgins had oil in their lamps. They had Jesus in their life and they were ready. Five virgins had no oil. They had no Jesus. They weren't ready. Simple question today. Are you ready? And the sad reality about these virgins is they just thought at the end it was all going to work out. They lived as though the Lord was not returning. They were sleeping completely unaware and unprepared as to what was coming for them in the future. And I want to tell you, friend, don't sleep on the most significant thing that could happen in your life. Jesus, return again and you not be ready. Have you ever got caught completely off guard? Man, I tell you, as, as some of you know, I, I get the, the joy and privilege to speak in other places occasionally. And I, I was up speaking in August for a friend of mine named Terry, Terry Schmidt. He'll be here with us in February at our, our pastor's conference. And uh, I was up there preaching to their staff. They have a kind of an orientation. They have a large church and a large school, and they have maybe 60 employees. And I was speaking to them. And so I spent the whole day with them and taught a session, preached at night to challenge them, to get them ready for their, their upcoming year. And, uh, and I, was, I was only there for like 24 hours. I flew in super late on Thursday night. I woke up the next morning. I drove over to the church. I spoke all day Friday at the church, had a couple meetings. And then they drove me right back to the hotel. And I, and I was to fly out at like 5.30 a.m. on, I think it was Saturday morning. And, and so, I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to sleep much. And, and, and while normally I do not need an alarm to wake up, uh, on days like this, I, I, I have to set an alarm. Or I will not sleep at all because I'm afraid I'll, I'll oversleep. And you, you all been there. You know how that goes. So, so I, I went to sleep. I fell asleep. I fell asleep hard. And I had a shuttle to catch at 4.30 a.m. I had to be there at 4.30 a.m. So I set my alarm for 4 o'clock and I was just going to get up, take a quick shower, and be down there. And I will never forget this, I, I, I woke up, and I looked over at the clock, and it said 4.28, 4.28. And I also knew that this shuttle was not just a shuttle for the hotel, it was a shuttle, it was, a, it was like a company that was hired, and they had stops. They stopped at this hotel, then they went over to this hotel, and they went over to this, and there was no margin. They even told me that the night before. Hey, Mr. Sands, you've got to be here, I mean, you've got to be here at 4.30, because, I mean, we will leave at 4.30. And I said, no problem, right? So I woke up in a panic. 
and I saw 428, and I, I don't remember all the things that I said to myself. It probably should not be repeated, but I mean, I just remember jumping up, and I, I started. Thankfully, I was pretty prepared. I had like all my, you know, electronic cords and everything were kind of situated, and, and my clothes were laid out uh, across a couch, or, and, 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 but, but everything else, I literally remember just walking through in like one motion. In one motion, I scooped everything into my bag, and, and I didn't even close it. I just, I just grabbed it and folded it like a football in my arm. And in the same motion, I jumped into my pants and threw a shirt on at the same time. I don't know how I did it. And it was amazing. It should have been on video because I'd probably win something for what happened. And I took off running. I was on the fourth floor of the hotel. I took off running. I didn't go to the elevator because that was going to take, that was not going to take. I called them in, 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 at 429. I said, guys, I am, I slept in. I missed my alarm. Can you hold the bus? They said, Mr. Sands, we already told you you can't hold the bus. You better get down here at 430. So I took off at 430 in the morning running down the fourth floor of this hotel as fast as I can. I have a bag with clothes hanging out of it and, and, and cords to phones hanging everywhere. And I run down uh, the stairwell, four flights of stairs. I mean, I am flying down. And, and, and instead of walking all the way back to the lobby of the hotel, I said, you know what, I might catch them if I go out the emergency exit door. So I bumped the exit door, ran around the hotel, and they were pulling out. And here's crazy guy running down the parking lot at 431 as the hotel shuttle is uh, uh, moving out. And they stopped and picked me up. And I am drenched in sweat. I am huffing and puffing and, and setting down. Everybody's looking at me like I'm the biggest idiot in the entire world. Let me tell you something. There is nothing like being shocked because you weren't ready. Friend, I'm going to tell you, if you are not ready to meet Jesus, you are in for the shock of your life. There is an unprepared condition. There is secondly an unannounced coming. Now, now the, the obvious application of the text is verse 13. Watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. That's the obvious implication. Now the way this plays out in the parable is in verse 6. And at midnight there was a cry heard, behold the bridegroom is coming, go out and meet him. So it came at midnight. I mean who would be ready for this at midnight? Who is going to be prepared? And it's, it's actually the entire point of the parable, and that is this. Guys, you do not know when Jesus is coming again, so you've got to be ready right now. Folks, I'm here to tell you, it, it used to be the old school preachers would kind of preach it as if it was going to happen before the service was even over. And if I could, if I could impress upon you that kind of level, I would. Because I hope you do know today, as New Testament Christians, we are waiting on the rapture of the church right this second. I mean, you do know that before I say amen to close this sermon, it could happen before I'm done here today. And we don't think about this enough. We, we don't hear this. So what's the point? The point is, if you are unprepared, man, you should get prepared right now. Because his coming is unannounced. But listen, just because it's unannounced does not mean it's uncertain. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. It's a promise. John 14, verse 3, where I am, excuse me, I will come again to receive you. It is sure. Guys, listen, you realize if you study the Old Testament, you will find there were hundreds of prophecies about Jesus' first coming. 
And you know what? They all came true. Where he was going to be born, who was going to give him birth, how his ministry was going to happen, how he would die even before crucifixion was a thing, that he would rise again from the dead. Every time Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Malachi or one of the prophets said, Jesus is going to come, guess what? He came exactly like they said he was going to come. Well, guess what? The Bible also says he didn't just come one time, he's coming a second time. And if the Bible said he would come the first time and he came, believe me, when the Bible says he's coming a second time, he will come. It's sure. But number two, it's sudden. It's sudden. We already read it in chapter 24, verse 44. Therefore be you also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Right here in our text, verse 13, watch therefore for you. No neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. I come quickly. I, I will tell you this this morning. I, I have made myself clear about what I believe about the second coming. I believe that the second coming is going to happen after the tribulation period. And I also believe as a New Testament believer with a literal interpretation of scripture for Israel and the church that the rapture of the church is going to happen before the tribulation period. And look, look, we, we, could, we could dice that up. We could sit down at Starbucks and talk about that if you wanted to, if you really want to. I mean, good night. If you really want to sit and dice it up, fine. But let me tell you one thing that is unquestionable. He is coming, and it will be sudden. It's what we call in the New Testament eminence. Meaning, regardless of what you think about the second coming, here's what you should think. He could come at any moment. There was an old gospel song called, It Could Happen in a Moment. In the twinkling of an eye. He could call us home together right here and right now. And that's how the Bible describes it. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, Christ is coming again, and it's going to be sure, and it's going to be sudden, and it's going to be, thirdly, sobering. What happens at the second coming? Well, well, folks, listen, after the second coming, what is obvious here is that some got in and some got out. And when you trace this thing out in Scripture, let me give you a simple explanation of what happens. At the rapture of the church, what takes place is that while God is judging this earth in the tribulation period, he is judging his church at the Bema judgment of Christ in heaven. That means that you and I who are Christians will go and stand before God and give an account of our lives. And that I believe will happen after the rapture. Can you imagine? One minute you're here doing whatever you're doing and the next minute you're standing in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about if you're a Christian answering for sin. Thankfully, Jesus answered for my sin on the cross. I'm not standing in judgment of my sin. Christ was judged for me. I am standing in judgment of my life, of my work, of what I value. Church, I want to tell you, there's no time like this present time right now to invest your life in things that matter. To invest your life in your family, in your church, in your, in your financial contributions. To invest your life in, in the work of Christ, in the work of souls. Why? Because one day we're going to stand to give an account of what we did with the life that we lived after we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. I don't want to waste my life, man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all the people? 
in their 20s and 30s that completely gave no time, energy, or effort to serving God. They nodded at God maybe every once in a while on Sunday when it was convenient. And that was the extent. Can you imagine all the people that lived their whole lives, got into retirement with all the time and opportunity they had to squander away their senior years collecting seashells when they could have given their time and energy to serve God. Can you imagine? There's young people in this room right now. Let me tell you something, friend. Young people like to think, well, you know, that's later. But what, what if Christ came today? Like, are you going to give your, uh, an account of your life as a 30-year-old or as a 15-year-old? Folks, listen, this is serious. But even more serious, I think, is what happens to people who aren't saved? What happens to them? The answer is, ultimately, their destruction is sealed. In the tribulation, in ultimately the great white throne, the eternal security of their lostness. Particularly if you study 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as it relates to people who've heard the gospel. Friend, if you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have not been saved and Christ comes again and raptures his church out of here, you're not going to be getting saved after he comes. And of course, ultimately and finally, he will be coming to finally in the second coming with his church, destroying his enemies, setting up his kingdom. Folks, it is not a good place to be, to be on the outside of Christ when he comes again. But then he even makes matters worse. Look, if you will, the third thing I want you to see in the message is an unanswered cry. Now look how serious this is. Look down here, if you will. Look at verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. So, so he announced his coming. Five virgins were ready. They stood there. When he came, they were ready. The other five went out trying to get oil. It was too late. Too last minute. They weren't ready. So they come back. And what happened? The bridegroom took the bride into the chamber and shut the door. Then the next verse says, those on the outside of the door tried to get those inside to open up the door. Look, look at this. Look at this. Please, please listen. Verse 11. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Watch this. But he answered. And said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. It's an unanswered cry. It is somebody who wants in, but they miss their opportunity. Church, look, we don't talk like this much anymore, but, but I want you to understand something. God has deadlines. There are deadlines. For instance, death is a deadline. It's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. After you die, there's no, there's no mulligan going on. There's no do-over. Come on, there's no white out. Trying to make corrections. No, no, no. Hey, look, life's too short. Life's too short. And there's a deadline there, friend. If you're not a Christian, you, you should become one before you die because when you die, it's eternally too late. It's a deadline. Well, let me tell you, there's another deadline here. Christ comes again, you're not ready. After that, the door gets shut. Now, I just want you to see it again. The Lord shut the door. 
Now, isn't that interesting? Because those of us that know the Bible, we see that phrase, the Lord shut the door, and we start thinking, wait a second, I've seen that before. In fact, in chapter 24, what does he say? As it was in the days of, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. The parallel. The parallel. There is a parallel between what happened in Noah's day and what happens when Jesus Christ comes again. What's the parallel? There was a preacher announcing his coming, announcing the flood. Just like today, there's a preacher announcing the coming of Christ, warning of pending judgment. And there was people listening who paid no attention. I'm not talking about how you're paying attention right now. You've listened incredibly well to a difficult message. I'm just talking about, generally speaking, people who hear this kind of thing. Yeah, we've been hearing that for years. Christ is coming. Yang, 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 yang. Let me go do my thing. Let me live my life. Then let me retire. I'll think about thinking about God later. And after 120 years of preaching, guess what, friend? God said, get in the boat. Get in the boat. And there was only eight people that got in that boat. Only eight. They got in the boat, and the Bible says very plainly, and the door was shut. The Lord shut the door. Now let me ask you a question. When God said get in the boat, and only eight people got in, that means there was hundreds, scores, thousands of people who were outside of the boat at Noah's, the flood. Now what do you think happened when the first pebble of rain started hitting the flaps of their tents. Honey, did you, did you hear that? What is that? What's, what's tapping on the tent? I've never heard that before. I don't know. Let's go check it out. So you move back the flap of your tent and you step outside and all of a sudden you're getting pelted in the eyeball with, what is that? Oh yeah, that's rain. That's rain. It's a lot of rain. It's a lot of rain, enough rain to make you nervous, enough rain to look up to the valley by the mountains and start to see a little stream running down that mountain that you've never seen before. And about the time you're getting nervous, you're starting to see water fill up to the soles of your feet and to your ankles, and now you're real nervous. And all of a sudden, you're concerned about your wife and your three little kids, and so you start grabbing people, and, and, and mama's got the baby, and, and daddy's got the eight-year-old and the seven-year-old in his arms. And they say, I don't know what's going on, but I think I remember old Noah. I think Noah talked about this. And all of a sudden, the water's rising, and by the time you get to the door, the water is up to your waist. Your kids are barely standing. Your wife slips, and there goes one of your kids. And all of a sudden, you're at the door. And you stand at the door and you are absolutely terrified because you know what's happening now. This is exactly what Noah talked about. Can you imagine, just for a minute, can you even imagine the terror and the fear? And you know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to start rattling on that door. You know, there's the door. I, I, he's been preaching. He's been talking about this. Can you imagine rattling on that door okay no we get it man we get it we get it sure enough you're right God's yeah absolutely we're ready now and can you imagine a broken hearted Noah slumped down on the floor just inside the door with tears streaming down his face I told you I told you I told you and if I could open the door I'd be okay 
Lord shut the door. Folks, listen, you don't want God to shut that door before you're in. The good news is, you're here. You're hearing. And you can walk in that ark of safety right now. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as we pray in a moment. Oh, friend, listen, get in the boat while you can. Get in the boat while you can. Right here, I wonder if there's somebody that say, Preacher, I'm, man, I'm not ready. That's quite sobering to think that Jesus could come again today and I would not even be ready and... and, and that would be an awful thing. You're exactly right. But here's the good news. God loves you. God gave you his son, Jesus. The gospel is being proclaimed today. Today, you can open up your heart like the front door of your house and you can accept Jesus Christ. I'm looking at so many of you, thinking of your stories, thinking of how Christ reached you, thinking of somebody that sat down with you, told you a service you were in where you heard the message and you accepted Christ. Your life's been changed. How many of you can say, praise God for that? Praise God for that. But maybe there's somebody here, you say, that's not my story. I don't, I don't have that story. I don't know. I don't know if Jesus came, if I'd be ready, but I want to be ready. I want to know. I want to know. Well, right now, in your heart, you can open up and you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You do it right here, right now. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, you can just breathe out a prayer from your heart to God right where you are. Would you do that? If you're here and you're not ready, but you want to be, and you need to be saved, but you're not, would you right there in your seat, right now, call out to God, and you can say something like this. You can even repeat after me. Now, I'm not saving you, and the prayer's not saving you. Jesus is saving you. But he says, the way you come to me is you pray. You ask me to be your Savior. So right there in your seat, you could just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe in Jesus. He is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose again. God, I believe he's the only way to heaven. Today I accept him as my savior. Thank you for loving me. Help me never to be ashamed of you. Friend, in your heart right now, you could pray that or something like that. Jesus, I accept you. And if you did that, I want to I wanna welcome you to God's family. I want to help you in every way that I can. How many of you right now in this room would say, Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I just accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm glad I did. Now, Preacher, I want you to know that I did that. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? Who would do that? Preacher, that's me. God bless you, man. And you. Praise God. Yes, sir. 
praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am, right here. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Man, we're so excited. So excited to welcome you into the family of God. What a great decision. I want you to know I've got a few men here in the back that have some information to get you and, and can help you and talk with you. Brother Randy, would you just raise your hand right there? Brother Cliff over here. They may come to you or you just go to them. And, and they've, got a, they've got some things to hand you and say, hey, listen, we're so glad for your decision. And we want to help you in your Christian journey. Thank God for that. What a blessing. And church, we rejoice today. And God blessing us with people coming to Christ today. Thank you for that. I was going to have an invitation song, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to end there. We got a baptismal coming up, so worship team, I'm going to not have